Sunday, May the 30th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Well, this morning we're continuing our series uh, thinking about rebooting and resetting um, after lockdown and coronavirus. And uh, we're turning our attention to uh, one of the other minor prophets this morning, um, Habakkuk. And uh, if you've not read Habakkuk uh, before, I think he has something really profound and insightful to say into our current situation. And the question we're faced with this morning is how can we keep the faith when all around us is falling apart? When we see gross injustice and idolatry and when there's corruption coming at us from all directions, how do we keep the faith? It's hard, isn't it, when we see neighbours and friends losing their jobs or facing the loss of loved ones or we see the leadership of our nations acting corruptly to believe in a God who rescues and a God who ultimately restores and is truly good. The events of the last year, the lockdown we've experienced, the racial injustice that we've seen, the sexual abuse, political scandals, uh, death and disease have caused many to question the actions, or dare we say it, the inactions of a loving, compassionate God. Maybe you've done that yourself or you've heard people question that in the pub or on social media. If God exists, we say, how can the wicked so often prosper and why is there so much evil and injustice in the world? If you're sensitive to injustice, and I think that we should all be becoming more insensitive to injustice, then this is a question that can weigh really heavily on us. So what can Habakkuk teach us this morning about how to live faithfully in the midst of such an environment? Habakkuk lived nearly two and a half thousand years ago in a pre-exile situation uh, for the people living in Judah. 621 years before uh, Christ BC, uh, 20 years before the Babylonians invaded uh, Judah and 40 years or so before Daniel was taken into exile in Babylon. And the situation in, in Judah is grave. They're in their last days as a nation. And Habakkuk can see trouble all around him. He says in chapter one, must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? But he could also see greater trouble ahead. Oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you don't plan to wipe us out. Such was the gravity of what he saw around him. Habakkuk's frustrations with God are running high. His emotions are getting frayed. He's at the end of his tether. Maybe you can empathise with him. 
Unlike all the other prophets of his time, though, who tended to have pointed and specific words for the people of God, Habakkuk is famous for taking his arguments to God, for complaining in prayer. He is the prayer whiner rather than the prayer warrior. The book is in two sections. And as we read it, we see that chapter one and, and chapter two are really an account of Habakkuk's two complaints to God and God's answers to them. And it's written in the style of a, a lament, a pouring out of emotions, just like we saw in Lamentations a few weeks ago when Simon spoke to us about that. Chapter three, though, is, is very different. It's a poem or a psalm that was meant to be sung in the synagogue. Some people think Habakkuk was part of the worship team that asked God to renew his people in his day, to renew his work in their day, to rescue his people again and to choose hope and trust in the midst of chaos. So let's have a, a deep dive in and a look at Habakkuk's uh, complaints to God. His first complaint or argument with God is that God just isn't doing enough. Where are you, God, in the midst of all this injustice and corruption? Don't you see it? Are you blind to it? And if you do see it, then why aren't you doing anything about it? Maybe you feel a bit like Habakkuk. Maybe there's an intractable problem in your life or, or or a problem that you see more broadly in society that you just don't understand why God isn't doing anything about it. How could God see this and not act? And what's God's answer? Well, first of all, it sounds like a really promising answer. Look around you, Habakkuk. I'm doing something amazing in your own day that you wouldn't even believe. And, and maybe we expect after those statements that, that there's going to be some incredible rescue and salvation that's coming now. But instead, he says, God says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, a people who are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like to you, a barbaric people. Surely this would be worse for the people of Judah. Surely this will escalate the problem and not solve it. Which leads to Habakkuk's second complaint. He goes up onto the watchtower for this to wait for God's answer. Uh, when he says to God, not the Babylonians, God, surely not those evil and treacherous people. Surely you don't plan to wipe us out. To which God's answer is, write this down, Habakkuk. I'll give you a revelation about the end. And God proceeds to tell Habakkuk that this is how it is. This is how the nations are rising up against one another and displaying the characteristics of what he goes on to describe as five woes. The woes of the economy and corruption. So the bad handling of money and, and, and the corruption and power that comes with that are the first two woes. And then there's the woe of human slavery, the enslavement of, of people. And the woe of drunkenness and addiction, which is endemic in their society. And then the woe of idolatry, making idols out of inanimate objects. And in the midst of these woes, though, there are three truths. 
maybe you recognize those woes and and there's a sense in which they they're even two and a half thousand years later we see those don't we economic woe corruption slavery drunkenness addiction idolatry but right in the middle of this chapter two there are three truths that we'll get Habakkuk through three truths that will enable us to keep the faith in the midst of injustice and turmoil the first is in chapter 2 and verse 14 where God's promise is that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea that even in the midst of calamity you can know God's presence and his glory and ultimately there will be a rescue where his glory will fill uh, the earth like the waters cover the sea the second is in chapter 2 and verse 20 the lord is in his holy temple let all the earth be silent before him the truth that god is in control that he is sovereign that he is in his holy temple and the third one is that the clue to walking through these situations is that the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. He calls Habakkuk to a walk of faithfulness in chapter 2 and verse 4. So having complained to God, having poured out his heart to God, having lamented to God and tried to understand the ways of the world and the ongoing suffering, Habakkuk comes to the conclusion that pouring out our complaint to God leads to a deeper sense of mystery, a deeper sense of worship, a deeper sense of hope, a deeper understanding of who God is. And it is to this that Habakkuk now turns in chapter 3, where we have this beautiful psalm, this beautiful uh, song uh, that he sings, and where he answers the question, how do you remain faithful in the midst of these woes? How do you keep perspective when all is confusion around you? How do you keep faith in a God who will ultimately fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? How do you live knowing that the Lord is in his holy temple? How do you remain faithful and keep the faith? You see, his is a faith that goes on believing despite the circumstances. His is a faith that Romans 1.16 says is from faith to faith, faith building on faith. It's a faith that, as Hebrews 10 says, goes on believing and is saved. It doesn't shrink back in the light of the environment. And so Habakkuk stopped arguing with God and he was quiet and he began to sing. Habakkuk's name means uh, embrace, to embrace God or to be embraced by God. And that's what chapter three is, an embrace of all who God is. And so instead of being focused on his present woes, he looks back and sees God's rescue of the people of God. And he looks forward and his confidence begins to rise that God will intervene and that God will be just. And therefore, he decides that he will be patient and wait. After arguing with God, wrestling with God, pouring his heart out to God, now he's at peace and he's going to wait for God to do something and to see what God will do. So what a Habakkuk's secret for keeping faith. I picked five of them. Maybe you saw some others. 
Firstly, interrogative prayer, asking God the questions. We need to be interrogating God, to not be afraid to ask the difficult questions because God's not afraid of, of the questions we want to ask and he will answer us. But we also need to understand, I think, that there are some things that we will just not understand this side of heaven, but that can cause our faith to rise. I remember going to Beslan uh, many years ago. Uh, you might remember about the, the dreadful um, uh, shooting uh, that happened in Beslan, where over 300 uh, people were killed in a school. Many of them, uh, children, were taken into captivity first and, uh, and then uh, and then shot. And uh, it was a dreadful tragedy. And as we went into that small town um, in the south of Russia and uh, came alongside the community in their greatest need, there was a moment where we stood at the freshly dug uh, graves in Beslan, all 300 of them. Um, they'd had to start a, a new cemetery uh, to, to cope with the number of, of deaths. And I stood with a young team member and, and the tears were falling down our eyes. And as we looked at these uh graves and he turned to me and said how can you believe in a god um of love when there's so much injustice in the world and i i I didn't know how to answer but somehow these words came out which were you know what um ultimately i believe that god is just that god won't allow this injustice um, not to be punished. That ultimately, he will bring together these strands and he will make sense of it. And he will make sense of all the injustice that's going on in our world. And he will bring that together. And when he does that, we will stand back and we will worship him because there's no way that we can understand it. No way that we can put it together. So there must be a God who's bigger, who understands, who can pull all these pieces together and help us to see and if there is a God like that then I will bow the knee and I will worship him for bringing about justice so firstly in order to keep the faith we need to ask God the difficult questions secondly Habakkuk tries to get perspective He goes up to the watchtower and he's patient to see what God is going to do. He stands at the guard post in chapter 2 and verse 1 to see what the Lord says and does. So Habakkuk calls us to raise our gaze from our current circumstances, to lift our eyes to the mountains from where our help comes, to see the golden strand of justice that runs through God's character and that his justice will prevail. Thirdly, uh, Habakkuk encourages us in chapter three to praise God for what he has done, for what he is doing and for what is yet to come. Habakkuk remembers God's rescue in the past from the exile in Egypt. He remembers the parting of the sea. He remembers God's acts in releasing them from calamity. He went on to rescue his chosen people. And Habakkuk remembers and he looks forward to God's anointed one and says that he will wait quietly for the coming day of God's rescue. There is a confidence being restored here for Habakkuk, a confidence in God's goodness, a certain hope in God's salvation and rescue, a knowledge of God's character and his 
faithfulness. Fourthly, in order to keep the faith, Habakkuk determines to worship even when the signs aren't good. And there's some beautiful verses here. Even though the fig trees have no blossom, even though no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails, even though the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in their fields, even though the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk had a faith that was able to say, even though, even though, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Where do you need to be able to say today, even though, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though I've lost a job, lost a loved one, can't see to the end of my troubles, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. But how can we do that? Well, fifthly, um, Habakkuk asks for Hind's feet to go on higher places, to go to higher places. How can we do this? How can we uh, wrestle with God, gain perspective, praise him for what he's doing, what he has done and what he's going to do in the future? Uh, praise him when the signs aren't good. The answer is in verse 19, because the sovereign Lord is my strength. He enables me to tread upon the heights. There's an intimacy with God, a knowledge of God that comes through um, the trials and the struggles. There's a sense in which even in the deepest suffering, even in the most intractable issues, God is our strength. The Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent before him because the sovereign Lord is my strength. He enables me to tread upon the heights. So wrestle with God, even in the difficult circumstances. Keep perspective about what is God is doing and be patient. Praise him for what he's done and what he is doing, what's yet to come. Determined to worship, even when the signs aren't good. And ask to go to the higher places of intimacy with God in the midst of your struggle. Habakkuk has so much to teach us. I hope you'll be able to, over the coming days, read these words again and revel in a God who ultimately rescues, even when we pour out our heart to him. Today, let's pray into that great scripture from Micah, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, which asks and then declares, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy or love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. Lord, we ask you that you would equip us to do justice. Lord, we've talked a lot recently about our neighbourhoods, our community, our society. And we would ask, Lord, that we would be among those who know what it is to do justice, that righteousness might take place in a social sphere. Lord, that in our neighbourhoods we may declare and live by and uh, and give credence to that which 
is justice in your eyes. Father, I pray that you give us that backbone that enables us to to do, to act, to actually fulfill what you want done in our neighbourhoods in terms of justice. We thank you, Lord, that you require us to demonstrate mercy and kindness in our relationships, that we should love these things, Lord, that they should be deep within our hearts, not not somehow forced upon us or um, done through gritted teeth, but that we might exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, that in our meaningful relationships, in our families, to our neighbours, within our home groups, within our uh, networks and communities, within our workplace, that we might demonstrate that wonderful um, mercy of God, that the kindness uh, that we show would no longer be this twee little word, but would somehow uh, reflect the covenant kindness of God, the kindness of God that led us to salvation. Father, may we exhibit these things in our relationships, we pray. And may we walk humbly with you when all others have gone, when the door is shut, when no one is listening, and it's purely uh, us together, Lord, you and me, us individually, personally together, that we might know intimacy, that it might be a journey, that it might be that we walk humbly, Lord, that we're not static, that we don't stay in the same place, Lord, where where we've always thought this and we always will. But Lord, may we journey with you in this humility, this submitted, tamed relationship, Lord, where we understand that you are our God and we are your servant. Father, will you help us, please, in these things, Lord, to fulfil the things that you require of us, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.